Welcome to the Second Chair Leadership Podcast, a podcast created by and for Second Chair leaders to help you lead creatively and courageously right where you are. Sitting in the second chair with me today is Sheldon Wagner. Sheldon is a certified athletic trainer and lecturer at the University of Wisconsin La Crosse, where he also provides athletic training services and conducts research on concussion in sport. On a more personal note, Sheldon uh, and I have worked together in the past for the same healthcare organization, and uh, while there are are many qualities that I appreciate about you. I have observed that you live your life with a high degree of integrity. Your principles and your beliefs are revealed in the quality and the care that you put in to your work. You are a second chair leader who has a high degree of influence in others' lives, which makes it really exciting for me to talk to you today uh, about second chair leadership and the work that you do as an athletic trainer. I'm really looking forward to this, Sheldon. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Josh. You bet. Well, I know um, a little bit about who you are, um, but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more um, uh, about yourself? Um, give them a snapshot of your personal life. Sure. Uh, well, I grew up, uh, if we go way back, uh, I grew up the youngest of, of 10 kids, and uh, I think that was really foundational for me. Uh, I've got six older brothers and three older sisters. I uh, was seven years behind uh, the next sibling. Um, and so as I was growing up, I was raised both uh, as the youngest, you know, which has all those uh, labels and benefits, I think, uh, but then also as an only, um, an, an only child from about the age of 11 on uh, with my parents. And, um, you know, they were a little bit older. Uh, and so we had kind of a, a family dynamic that was different from, from most folks. Um, and with that large group uh, setting, you know, a lot of things got done by committee and uh, things were always, um, you had to consider your decisions because of how it always affected the group around you. Um, and uh, graduated high school from uh, Alexandria, Minnesota, and uh, kind of grew up in that great north, uh, great, great, uh, what do you call it? the great white north uh, mm -hmm. as it is this weekend um and uh, met my college uh sweetheart here at gustavus adolphus uh college in minnesota as well she's also working in healthcare, and we've got three kids uh that are very energetic and involved and that's uh, by design and um that's where we're at uh personally and then professionally I'm a certified athletic trainer uh, and also a lecturer at UW Lacrosse, and that provides me uh, an opportunity to wear a lot of different hats. Um, and and that really that type of work um, really suits me from the standpoint of I, I really like uh, the variety of things that I get to do, um, the different responsibilities and the ideas that I can tie together. Uh, hopefully, and, and share with share with students and um, and different resources that we have that um, can bring my ideas forward. Um, and like you mentioned in the intro, um, you know, uh, this setting 
um, that I'm at is um, really requires kind of a broad base of, of hard skills and soft skills. Mm. And uh, that's something that, that I really enjoy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll be able to get into that just a little bit. I think it's worth noting that at the time of this recording, actually, you sent me a uh, you sent me a photograph of the temperature in Lacrosse. You know, sub below temperatures, and uh, it's fifty degrees in your office today. In your office, you are people can't see this, but they need to see what I'm seeing here. You're you're wearing mittens, a scarf and a stocking hat. Like, it's just that cold where you're at these days. And so I'm, I'm grateful. We're grateful that you're suffering for our benefit today. Thanks, thanks for uh, showing up and giving us your best on this cold, cold day. It's usually quite beautiful here on Wisconsin's West Coast. So this is an anomaly. Uh, it's the polar vortex. It's historic. And I hope I never see it again in my life. Oh, man. Uh, when will it end, right? When is it going to end? So, well, hey, um, one of the things I like to ask guests on this show um, is to kind of think back, reflect back in your past history uh, of your life, maybe in your career. Um, I think it's worth noting, like, you, how long have you been a certified athletic trainer? This has been your only profession, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, right out of college. And so this is uh, about 25 years. So a quarter of your life, like a quarter, you know of a century you've committed to, um, your profession. And so, um, as you, as you were thinking about this, what, what were some of the defining moments in your life or in your career that really led to where you're at today? I've always, uh, in my role as a clinical athletic trainer at that healthcare, uh, institution that we worked at together, I've always kept one foot kind of in the education side of things. Um, I was a, I've been a preceptor for students of all uh, flavors as far as uh, physical therapists, athletic trainers, chiropractors, medical residents. We've done a lot of community-based presentations. Um, and I got a chance to do uh, some leadership on professional education programs where we would try to uh, educate physical therapists, athletic trainers on different topics. Um, and you get to meet a lot of great minds and great spirits uh, in that type of work. And one of the folks that I worked with closely um, is a legendary physical therapist, George Davies. Mm. Uh, and he, when in one of our discussions uh, about the program that we were putting on, I said, you know, George, when I go to these other meetings, and I'm kind of analyzing what they're doing and I'm watching the content. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm getting as much out of them as I used to. And he said, well, Sheldon, you know that when you get to that point, and this was kind of prophetic for me because this was probably 15 years ago. Uh, when you get to that point, it's your time to teach mm. because you, you've got enough kind of uh, in your toolbox that you need to turn around and, and pay that forward and share what what you have observed and um, and bring that out to our students, you know. And um, that was really uh, and he's been a, a great mentor uh, along the way, um, just in handling a lot of dis different situations, um, you know. And as far as uh, you know, I, I seek out those types of 
uh, folks that have a lot of experience and uh, provide some wisdom to me. Uh, it's not that I'm uh, lacking in in that area, but uh, my dad passed away when I was 18. Mm. Uh, and so that was kind of, uh, again, a, a turning point for me where it's like you got to stand up and kind of do your own thing. Because um, mm. I just didn't have that same uh, network that a lot of people did uh, through my college years. Mm -hmm. So um, nothing certainly, uh, you know, bad came about that from, you know, uh, that um, loss of leadership, but it, it certainly put me in a position to where I had to start thinking, you know, what what is important to me and how do I want to uh, conduct myself to, uh, you know, accomplish what I want to accomplish, but also, you know, make my, my dad and my, and my family proud. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that as you were talking kind of came back to my memory was the moment I realized I wanted to become an athletic trainer. Um, and I've shared this story with people who know me best, but it was, uh, sometime in high school actually. And I wasn't, uh, ever a real athlete. Um, just someone who is like you, a lifelong learner. Um, and, um, I loved anatomy and physiology. Um, and I remember watching a Sunday afternoon football game and a player went down on the field and the, the medical team, the athletic training staff and physician, and they ran out onto the field. And of course, that's a perfect time then for a TV timeout. But I remember standing up in my living room, pointing at the television screen and going, that's what I want to do, that right there. And um, from that point forward, um, I, I didn't look back. I went to college um, in pursuit of that goal, um, unlike others that you know I knew um, who were going to college to kind of discover what they wanted to do with their life and their career. Um, I already kind of had, had, I already had a good idea of what that looked like for me. Um, and so I'm curious to know, uh, how, how did you get interested in athletic training in the first place? Um, because here you are now 25 years later and you're still, you're still a practitioner. Yeah, I think that's somewhat, uh, unique. There's uh, this is a, a high, um, high stress environment. You know, you're working with, um, in healthcare, number one is, is a challenging field to be in. Um, and it's not without, um, you know, you, you can't do it without the support of your, your spouse. Um, and, uh, that, that's where it starts. And she understands she was a, a collegiate athlete herself and she's in healthcare herself. Um, but I had, uh, I, I have a, a memory of probably when I was even in, uh, elementary school, listening to the high school football game on the radio and hearing about some, uh, person that got injured. And I remember writing down that person's name and that they got injured on their right knee. And, and I'm not sure what I intended to do with that information. Um, but that was kind of my first memory of that. And then I got involved with, we did not have an athletic trainer at our high school. Mm. Uh, we had a physical therapist that came over from the, from the hospital in town and, and had some background in sports medicine. And so she was a, a mentor to me to kind of get me started in the program. Uh, and then I looked around for a, a few different um, programs going into college 
uh, and I kind of had one school picked out for um, athletic training and one for physical therapy because that was kind of on my radar. Mm. And um, and one was closer, one was significantly further, and uh, it, it just kind of came down to uh, you know what was the best decision for me and everybody else involved at the time. And that was again uh, around the time that my dad passed that that I'd probably be closer. And uh, I never looked back from from that point on. I've always really enjoyed the work. Uh, it's it's not like you don't you know look around and and you know search out other ideas to see if it's time to make a change. Um, but I keep coming back to it because it's been a rewarding field for for me um, because it's such a great blend of of the science, but then also of the art. Um, mm. You're you're able to use creativity in your work. Um, there's an education piece to it. You have to know your science. Um, mm. and, and there's a, the part that I really love, uh, this winter notwithstanding, uh, about the seasonality to the work that I have done in a high school and collegiate setting, um, because there's a, there's a, a start and a finish. Mm. And, uh, you know, when I've had other jobs um, part-time jobs and whatnot where, you know, c- could you do the same thing at the same place, sitting in the same chair, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, not perhaps see the light of day quite as much as you should. Uh, it's just not appealing at all. Um, yeah. And so, and, and really being able to help people, um, uh, it's, the, it's the best thing that you can do is, is whatever your role is, uh, whether it is uh, in a in a regular job or a job that takes you inside or outside, um, up and down the socioeconomic ladder with the folks that you work with, or um, you know, it, it the most rewarding part of it is is um, you know helping folks in a time of need. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I think one of the things um, I think we all. I, I hope that that's in everyone's mind, right? In the work that we do, whether, you know, you're pastoring or your babies, you know, your stay at home parent, if that's your full time gig or, you know, working in healthcare setting, whatever it might be. Like, um, one of the things that has become more clear to me is that really some of the greatest joy and the, f- the greatest fulfillment in our lives comes from giving ourselves into service to others. Um, I find, at least for me personally, I find immense joy and satisfaction in that. Um, and just, again, like that's one of the reasons why even this podcast started, even though I didn't even know what I was doing as I'm doing this. It's like, you know, I, if, if someone benefits from, from what these conversations that we're having, then that's a win. <laughs> like, right. you know, that's great. If the, if this podcast helps someone stay where they're at and dig in deeper and, and take that next risk, maybe be a little bit more courageous in the workplace or exercise some more creativity in whatever capacity that looks like for them, then, that, then that's a win. And I will continue to do that. And so I, I think it's, just such a great reminder that, you know, we exist uh, and the greatest reward is ultimately it lies in helping others or serving others um, for their benefit more than for ours. Certainly that's a byproduct of it. um, But for me, that's the byproduct, not, 
you know, um, is just finding fulfillment and peace and joy and satisfaction in that. So that's a great, great reminder um, for for anyone who might be listening. Um, and I love that. I love what you said about how one of the things you appreciate most and love about what you do is the combination of science and art. I think that's a great way to kind of frame like what we're going to talk about here just in a little bit. Um, but I would, I'd be curious to know, because you're in an educational setting, you're surrounded by, um, uh, by college students. They're a few generations younger than you. Um, and I'm curious to know if you've thought about this. And I apologize if I didn't give this question to you ahead of time. I think I did. But what do you hope that those students whom you lecture and you teach and um, you, you're, you're, you're coaching them and mentoring them. And there are a lot of students, I imagine, in your athletic training program there. What do you hope that those who follow you learn from your leadership? I hope that I can um, demonstrate to them uh, the importance of uh, our interconnectedness. You know, that, that we are all in this together. And, uh, and also uh, a sense of gratitude. You know, we're, we're all really, um, we're stewards, you know. And so we, we should take our responsibilities seriously and how decisions that we make uh, to the good and to the bad have, have influence. Somebody's always watching. Uh, uh, we don't operate in a vacuum. And so um, it's really uh, comes down to decision-making hmm. and um, you know, what are you basing your decisions on and, and where is your starting point? And um, you know, I, th- I think, you know, if, if you're going to be in a position where you have to make decisions, you have to, have some pretty firmly set values. Uh, and when you do, when you decide, and, and maybe you have to map it out or put it on a poster or whatnot, you, you know, what's your mission statement? Um, it makes your decision making a whole lot easier. Sure. Uh, because if it doesn't meet the standards, if it's not uh, an idea um, that is um, good for the long run, then um, maybe it's not a good decision. Um, when I started here uh, at the university five years ago, I got hired at the same time as my immediate supervisor, um, the, the head athletic trainer. And uh, this guy uh, is inspirational to me. He's significantly younger than I am. He's very intelligent. He's very grounded. And, but he was very excited to get a lot of things going right out of the gate as soon as we got started. And there's already a, a, a staff here that, that we both needed to learn how to navigate. And I said, you know, we can do whatever you want to do. I, I was really excited after I got to know him. I wanted to see him, you know, kind of execute his vision. Uh, and I wanted to be supportive of that. And because I felt like it aligned with all of the things that I was looking for. And, and so that was great happenstance uh, uh, that, that we came together that way. But I said, you know, as we go forward, the one thing that I want you to think about is 
is what we're going to do, is it going to be sustainable? And I think uh, sustainability, you know, uh, I don't know if it gets a, a bad rap uh, or if it doesn't get enough attention uh, these days, but if you're making sound decisions, um, it shouldn't just be about what you're deciding right now. Hmm. Uh, it, it has to be, or if you're engaging in an activity, it can, you know, as long as it fits into your plan to be a, a short run plan, fine. But, um, you know, if we're, if we're talking about, you know, how we're deciding to staff something or, um, you know, the, the, the resources that we're putting towards a project, whether it's time or money or talent, um, we need to make sure that it's accounted for and it's accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's been uh, really a good, uh, I think, uh, a yard marker for us with what we're trying to do with our program here. Let's build, but let's do it on a very intentional basis uh, with gratitude in our hearts and, uh, and with values mm-hmm. uh, at, the, at the foundation of it. Yeah, so I'm curious to know, just to piggyback on that, when when you're when you're building, right? Um, how, as a team, do you decide what to build first? Have you have you have there has there been a situation where, you know, you've had to come to some sort of agreement and saying, well, we all know we need either these are the needs or this is where we're going. Uh, maybe it's a want. Um, it, are there have there been conversations about wow we've got multiple things so how ultimately how do you how do you weigh what what gets built first um, before continuing to build and moving on to the other items on on the list? I think it starts with consensus building, you know, and and can everybody uh, at least get behind the idea first, um, and 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 maybe there's. Uh, something that we're not considering, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, with, with my supervisor and I not being in our role for uh, a super long time, um, you know, sometimes we have to go in and dig into the history, you know, so we're not, uh, we're not digging into holes that uh, we got no place being around, mm. you know, and it's not to say that we haven't made um, some mistakes in the way that we've handled some things, but um, yeah, well, we can all sleep at night knowing that we're, you know, we're, we're starting, um, with the consensus and, and people agree if, and, and if, if someone has an issue with, uh, something that we want to, to take on, um, we listen. And, and I think, um, he, you know, when you take a look at what's happening or not happening in the leadership of our, of our country, I think there's a lack of, of honest um, compassion, I think, sometimes for other people's perspective. Um, I, I, th- I think our listening skills are not good. Um, yeah. and, and, um, but I think that here in our program, that's something that we do well. Mm. Uh, we, we listen to each other. And... Um, we consider points of view and we kind of map things out. We do a lot of, you, you discussed earlier when we were off air about your, your whiteboard yeah. <laughs> and how you, how you map things out. We've got whiteboards all over this place. And we, we start with kind of where we are now and what the goal is. And um, 
we map out possible paths and there are things, obstacles that you're, you can never account for, you know, and, um, uh, but again, if you can bounce back and sometimes you have to take your foot off the gas uh, with an idea where it's just not going to happen right when you want it to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's life, you know, uh, but if you're, if you're locked in, if that is your, if that's your vision, um, number one, you can't always expect everybody to understand it. Um, but so you, a lot of times you have to be good at, at educating folks and being patient and taking the willing with you first. Uh, and then once you get a little bit of traction, it becomes a little bit easier. But, um, uh, as far as, you know, building Mm -hmm. programs, building ideas, um, changing in your staffing and whatnot, um, you just have to start with your, your foundational values. And I think, uh, when you're good at communicating those values, uh, folks might not understand them. They might not accept them, but they, they might just respect them enough to listen. And that's where we, that's where you have to start. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so, um, I think it's, I think it's great that, you know, you're surrounded by, uh, younger generations of, of students who are, um, hopefully, you know, going to go on and advance the profession. And I think you're absolutely right. You have to have the, the long view in mind. Um, especially when you, you are training your, your replacement, eventually someone will replace you one day and you want them, you know, to, to, um, know, um, and, and, and live there as you were talking about your, your beliefs, your values that, that guide the decisions that you make. And, um, and far too often we do, I think, toward a lean on the, 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 not the long view, but the short view. It's how am I going to benefit from this this year or in the next year, but instead rather to take that long view and say, what is, how is the next generation going to continue this um, or going to make it better, improve it or tweak it um, and, and so that it continues on much further than, than we ever thought or imagined was possible. Um, and so that, that is so important and you're absolutely right about that. I'd be curious to know, um, as we kind of talk about courage and creativity um, in this podcast, Sheldon, for some, um, courage looks like risk. Um, for others, um, courage looks like rest or it looks like problem solving. Um, when it comes you know, to leading um, with authority and responsibility, but you're not the one in charge, uh, what, what do we need to understand about courage? as a second chair leader? You know, you, you floated this idea, this question out to me, and this was actually of all of the questions, this was kind of the one that I struggled with. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that the, the challenge for us today is, is to uh, hold forth in our, in our values. Um, but then also um, maintain a sense of humility. Um, and that's, and that's very, very challenging. Um, you know, we have to know that it is okay to seek support and counsel of other people. I think sometimes we want to, we feel like to be courageous, we have to act alone. And, um, Mm -hmm. 
I don't know that that's necessarily accurate or necessary. Um, I, and I also think it's okay uh, to lose a battle here and there mm. and, and take your lumps. And, um, and you always have to, I think, kind of expect that those are going to come around. Um, and, you know, there's the idea that, it, you know, you learn more from your losses and from your victory. That's, um, that's absolutely true because I think in your victory, you, you, there's a greater risk of complacency. And, uh, you know, the, the folks that are high achieving and, and um, hopefully happy with what they're doing, um, you know, they, they run a high risk of, of if they're achieving, achieving, achieving all the time, um, that they can become their own worst enemy, you know. And, the, and I think um, we have to be careful uh, about getting in our own way. Mm. overthinking things mm. and um you know it, it if if you can kind of keep simple metrics um are the decisions that i'm making are they good ones how, how do i know well if they're keeping you up at night <laughs> that's uh, that's not good um and you better learn from that very quickly and there's a lot of times where even if you do make a bad decision i think we we feel uh fatalistic where uh it's the end of it oh my goodness i made this terrible mistake i'm never going to be able to move on mm-hmm. um if you take real and concrete steps to remedy things to apologize for mistakes to try to go back and explain uh where you were coming from to to folks that that might not have understood or or you know at least to the folks that you value um people can forgive and I think that's uh, something that maybe we worry, um, we should worry about it, you know, if we're making mistakes. But, um, but we need to, to continue to move forward uh, with humility, recognize that uh, we will make mistakes. And when we see other people do it, reach out to those folks and, and uh, lend them a hand up. Because I, I see a lot of uh, athletes that, you know, maybe they don't make the big game and it's weighing heavy on them. Um, Mm. that's, that's might be on that day. That's that person in need that you need to reach out to Mm -hmm. and, and say, you know what, um, you did what you could. This doesn't change anybody's, uh, attitude or feelings about you. Um, you know, we understand that it, you know, maybe in a bad situation and maybe it was us that put them in that situation. You know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, you know, uh, a, a guy that fumbles the ball when the team is, is down, uh, down by two and, and, uh, and he feels awful about it. But in actuality, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. The only reason we're down by two is because the whole team has had a hand mm-hmm. in not executing their role. And, and so, um, courage, uh, yeah. I think, uh, lies in the idea that, uh, we're not better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are capable of some great things if we can collaborate, uh, reach out to others and recognize our mistakes and build on those. Yeah, that's so good. Good. I appreciate that. I'd also, um, one of the things, um, I think that, 
happens with leaders who sit in the second chair, third chair, fourth chair, whatever, is that they underestimate the unique value that they bring to their organizations. And so um, I ask this question in two different ways. What's your creative superpower? Or how does creativity intersect with the work that you do? I don't pretend to have any superpowers. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, and, 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 um, but as far as creativity goes, um, y- you know, you've got the, the Covey books that talk about the idea of a win-win. Mm. Um, you, you know, when you're in a situation of negotiation, you know, work for the win-win. Um, for whatever reason, my uh, creative... Uh, ability kind of makes me want to see that taken one step further. Mm. What it's not just win-win, but what is the win-win-win? Mm. A three-way, a three-way, or beyond that win. Um, what's the next level of the solution? Can you draw in more resources, more stakeholders, for a bigger, better win for everybody? Uh, and I think it's connecting not just two dots, but multiple dots and uh, bringing that all together through team building and interconnectedness um, because w- we learn different things from different people, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I, I kind of like this idea of being a collector of people. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got uh, folks in your life that are, that are kind of your sounding board for things. And so um, I think the creativity comes in, uh, reaching out and grabbing on to those uh, folks that are your influencers. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, don't just react, but from a mindful position, coalesce all those ideas, those perceptions, um, and, and find solutions that are, that are bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And don't be satisfied with just making uh, – you know, there's obviously simple decisions that need to be made, but um, moving on from there, you know, how, yeah. how can you build? How can you get better, both yeah. for you and, and for those around you? Yeah, I love that idea of being a collector of people. Um, so that that's a really great point that you bring up. Um, and I think that that is a superpower. I think you have, you know, you have a, an ability there to do that and to do it well and to be able to transfer that. Um, experience and that knowledge onto the students that you lead and teach Um, because um, it's easy it's really easy to um, isolate yourself honestly like as a pastor so much of my life is is alone Um, um, there I have to be really particular and careful about who I talk to and and what I talk to them about Um, and so it's all too easy to go at it alone. And I think, you know, thing something I hear you say again and again and again, you're talking about the interconnectedness, I think of team, you know, and that's a huge part of the win-win-win is, um, by the way, that's a great Michael Scott quote is... <laughs> is win, 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 you win, and you win, and I win, like we all win. Um, but anyway, uh, that that's where my mind goes sometimes, um, is, is team, the importance and value of team, and um, in that you weren't meant to work, you weren't meant to do this alone, you're not meant to be in, in, in your workplace, um, you're not alone, you're surrounded by people. Now, you know, 
we have to, I think, as, as leaders, we have to facilitate that interconnectedness. Um, and often we have to take that risk and have some courage to facilitate it when those who are higher above in the organizational chart, either they're unable or unwilling to do so. Sometimes we do have to step out, take that risk and um, be the facilitators and the champions of teamwork within our organizations or companies. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I, th- and I think uh, listening to a previous podcast of yours, the importance of um, you talked about uh, your, everybody needs a coach. Mm. You know, we all kind of need uh, resources and it, it might not need to be something in the form of a traditional coach like uh, like you talked about on yours. But it, it speaks to the, the bigger idea of uh, know what your resources are, mm. you know, and um, yeah. And even in those uh, times of solitude that, that you need to take in your role and that I need to take in my role. And those are, um, you know, those are usually healthy times, you know, where you have to do your own uh, kind of self-management. Um, but stay too long <laughs> in any one place um, or you know, dive maybe a little bit too deep. Um, and that, that can start to be counterproductive. And so, uh, you know, definitely the idea of having coaches and knowing your, your resources and a team uh, in whatever form that takes, I think that keeps people moving forward uh, effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sheldon, as we wrap up um, today's podcast, I'd love to ask you just a few questions, kind of get a rapid response, um, and then um, I'll ask ask you about how people can connect you with you and find you uh, on social media. Um, But first, before we get there, what if you could grab a cup of coffee or any hot beverage with any leader alive? Who would it be and why? Hmm. you know, if, we, if we're going for like a stock answer, I, I would have to say someone uh, like the Dalai Lama, who is, uh, you know, obviously very uh, spiritually uh, adept and uh, at, at peace uh, with a lot of things. But um, on a more uh, practical basis, it's, it's really uh, I want to have a, a cup of coffee with, with Josh Cooper. I want to have a cup of coffee with my college roommate or my mom. I want to have uh, time with uh, people in my life that are inspiring to me. And uh, as you are, the, the, it's, it's more about surrounding yourself with uh, people that have, uh, that are a real energy or passion um, that they're bringing to the good works that they're doing. Mm. You know, this Mm. isn't, um, you know, your, your podcast wasn't what you aspired to do in college, but uh, here you are putting good thought and passion into it and trying to deliver the goods um, to the folks that, that need it. And so, um, you know, and it, it's, uh, it might be a short list of people that uh, around you that, uh, that are really inspiring to you. Uh, but then that means you just might have to work a little bit harder to stay connected with those mm-hmm. people. Um, but uh, certainly well worth it. And so, um, I'm new to the coffee scene, but, uh, I would, I would definitely, uh, I, I like to just take energy from wherever I can get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we'll have to, 
once the polar vortex ends, uh, um, we'll have to find a time. If I ever make my way up to your neck of the woods, um, right. we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely get together. Um, what's one book in the last year you'd recommend every leader read? Um, I I honestly I don't get to read as much as I would like to with the nature of my work and the family and all that stuff, but I think it's exceedingly important. The one that I'm kind of diving into right now is uh, Ego is the Enemy. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, by Ryan Holiday. Um, and it's a really, um, it's a good kind of kick in the pants uh, about keeping uh, an, eye, an eye on what do you want to do? You know, what are, what are the problems that you want to solve? Um, and helping to try to keep your own ego uh, out of the way of what you're trying to do. Um, it's, a, it's a relatively small book, but um, there's some really good uh, messages in there. Um, and I, when I finish it, um, and, and it's actually uh, some excerpts of that I've already shared with, with my students. You know, they, the college students these days, there's a lot of anxiety about making wrong decisions and, um, and and when they are choosing a major or a path to start off on, um, you know, it's not so much their ego that gets in the way. It's, it's the problem that there's too many choices, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I asked them, and, and this is what we should ask little kids, you know, don't ask them what they want to be, ask them what they want to do or what problems they want to solve. Mm-hmm. And um, because if you focus on the work, and, and the benefits and the details of the work, the rest of it hammers itself out along the way. Mm. And, uh, and you're, you're much happier for that as opposed to pursuing a, a job title, which may or may not be what you thought it was at the outset, um, or living some sort of lifestyle that mm. may or may not uh, provide you happiness. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we focus on, you know, what's in front of you and the people around you and the work that you're trying to accomplish, um, and, and keeping your own, um, faulty ego out of the way, uh, things are a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. And for those who are interested in finding the book, I'll be sure to include a link in the show notes in today's episode, uh, to that book. And Sheldon, I'd be curious to know what's one tool you cannot live without. Uh, it's a sense of humor. I, I think that uh, you know, there's a lot of bad things going on around us, and and bombs that are constantly going on. Uh, you know, I'm into my almost into my late 40s here, and I've got friends that are ill. I've got friends oh. that have passed away from different uh, diseases, ALS, and cancer and depression and that whole bit, Mm. man, if you can't find a way to uh, harvest your sense of humor on a daily basis, Mm. uh, whether it's, you know, uh, finding, if it's watching a video or listen to a podcast or, you know, find where your joy is Mm. and visit it regularly. Uh, Because uh, when you start losing your sense of humor and your sense of self, um, it, everything's harder. Yeah. And, and it, uh, and, and you won't be staying true to your values and you won't be accomplishing in what you want to accomplish. Yeah. 
just want to point out, and I don't know if, if this is a Sheldon Wagner original, I'm going to give you credit for it. You said, find where your joy is and visit it regularly. Like, that will stick. That will, that will preach, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, what's one personal habit that makes you better? Listening. Uh, you, you know, I, I think if we, it's that adage that, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth. And um, when I was a kid, there was a lot of things going on around the house. And uh, if you were paying attention, you learned a lot. If you weren't paying attention or if you were speaking out of turn, uh, there were consequences. And I think that carries that carries forward. Um, and I've had other people, you know, say that to me where it's uh, something that um, makes me better, but it's also something that kind of feeds mm -hmm. my decision-making. Mm -hmm. The more I listen, the more, um, you know, eventually we all have to make our decisions, but um, uh, the more you listen, the more you will hear. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And what's the best way for someone to find you if they want to find you uh, on social media or somewhere around the entire internet what's the best way for people to connect with you um, I'm on LinkedIn uh, I'm also on Twitter uh, and so those would be great um, avenues for folks to reach me I'm, I, I'm kind of a I've got a love-hate relationship with social media I was very resistant to getting on Facebook but uh, when it came down to it uh, I had a high school friend that was um, uh, direly ill and I, I really needed a way to, to reach out and get in touch with that person. Mm -hmm. And so I got onto Facebook and, uh, so I'm on Facebook too, but, uh, I don't do much there. Um, I'm also on Instagram. So, um, you know, I always kind of go back to the idea that, you know, these are tools in your arsenal too, but just like a hammer, man, you don't want to smash your own hand with the hammer. So yeah. uh, be careful with how we use it. But I'm happy to visit with people on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. Yeah, great. I'll be sure to include those links to LinkedIn and Twitter on uh, the show notes for today's episode as well. So for anyone who wants to reach out through Twitter or LinkedIn, they can find you there. Man, I am so grateful uh, for you. And I appreciate you sharing your expertise with all of us today. Thanks for being on the show, Sheldon. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was good to talk with you. You can help other Second Chair leaders find this podcast by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It means a lot to us when you share this content on social media as well. Thanks for listening to today's episode.